How y'all doing today? Everybody good? Good, 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 good. Real good, sister on the front row said. Real good, I like that. Hey, would you, would you help me? I know we just kind of did it, but it's always good to just really make sure we, we mention the folks who are online. Would we welcome thousands of you who are out there online? hoping and praying you're doing well and we just wanna spread wide our arms and in the name of Christ, welcome you. We hope you will come to a campus on Easter Sunday, a week from today. We would love to have you. I wanna welcome the Durham campus here. So glad you folks are here today. Garner, Sanford, Hillsborough, Kenya campus. Just welcome them all. Come on, just tell everybody we're so glad they're here. As a sports fan, I, I must tell you that I love this time of year. I don't know if you're with me or not, but, but like I absolutely love this time of the year. It's the big dance, right? The, the NCAA tournament to which some of you have said, Pastor, we noticed you've been kind of quiet this year. The reason I've been quiet is because Duke stinks this year, but they're still my team, right? You got that. You got uh, the Masters Golf Tournament that's right around the corner. You got the NBA rocking and rolling. It's just... It's just a big time of the year for sports. But I must let you know that as a bigger fan of Jesus and Holy Week, I'm more fired up about this week in the life of our church than any of that combined. Let me just go ahead and tell you, a week from today, actually six days, starting on Saturday, we are going to have an epic blowout celebration for Easter. It's going to be big because we didn't even get to meet together last year. We're going to have music. We're going to have baptisms. We're going to have an extra dose of hope, hope that is found not in any sporting event or anything else, but hope that is found in Jesus Christ and him alone. Here's the schedule. It starts on Saturday, Saturday, April 3rd. Spread the word. If you've got neighbors, friends that have young families, young children, invite them to the extravaganza on the third at 4 p.m. That's going to be followed by an outdoor worship celebration. So again, those of you who are alone online, you just haven't felt comfortable maybe to come back yet in person, here's a great opportunity. We're gonna be out in the parking lot. It's going to be amazing, full worship celebration. Then we roll up in all of our campuses on Sunday morning and you'll notice what's going on. We've got a 6.30 a.m. Uh, outdoor sunrise uh, Easter service, to which some of you are like, I haven't seen 6 a.m. in a long time. It's okay, try getting up and come on out. We'd love to have you. Um, and that service will be different, by the way. It will be different than the, the worship celebrations that we're having inside. Then you see all of those at all of the campuses inside. It's going to be a great, great weekend. Invite Invite, invite folks to join us. It can and it will make all the difference in the world. We are going to have baptisms after every one of those events. So Easter weekend might be a great opportunity for you to get baptized. If so, you simply text BAPTISM to 59769. BAPTISM to 59769. Nine. Okay, let's roll on today. We're gonna finish up this series called Modnik. And um, you, you might have noticed I'm bringing cursive back. 
I hope you like that. My, my son leaned over to me last week. He's always in the uh, later celebration. He goes, Dad, what is that chicken scratch you're putting on the board? And I thought, son, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. Watch your mouth. Um, anyway, um, we're starting another series next Sunday, Easter Sunday, and it's called Kingdom, and it's Modernic Backwards. Just kidding. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Here's where we were, right? Here's where we've been. This upside down reversal kind of kingdom. M stands for what, church? Help me out. O. D. G. N. I. You guys sound great. That's where we've been. And we've been really unpacking this. So more is less. The way you really experience abundant life is you take your grip off of your life and you realize I am better when I put it all on Christ. More is less and less is more. In this kingdom, in this modnik, it's others first. As we serve others, we descend into greatness. We don't live for likes. We don't live for applauses. We live for the glory and the honor of Christ. In this modernic, this kingdom, generosity flows. It's not to us. We, we constantly deflect glory and praise at any step along the way. We want our lives to be a reflection of the glory of God, amen? Inclusive, last week we talked about inclusive, where anyone is welcome in the house of the Lord. This is for everyone, amen? We will always have a welcome mat out at the front door of New Hope Church. Doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, you are welcome at this place. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Somebody, oh yeah, you can clap about it too. Absolutely. So it doesn't matter who you are, you are welcome. And then this week, I'm doing red intentionally, right? The blood of Christ. King on a cross, king on a cross, talking about an upside down reversal. What kind of king reigning over a kingdom would ever end up on a cross? And so we've been praying in this series every single week, Lord, may your kingdom, may, may that which is up there, right, come down here. And, and last Sunday, man, we had a graphic up here and, and I talked about pleasing God. And I talked about how many of us in our experience, all we do is we try to please God and God is just this mean-spirited kind of principle, if you will, with a principle, with a ruler in his hand ready to knock us in the head, right? And we talked about that's religiosity, that's all based upon what I do. And then we talked about trusting God. And I said at the end of the message last week that, that the way you please God is you trust God. And this week, we stand before a cross because there is no greater point, place, position by which we can trust God than when we stand before a cross. Today's a different kind of message. 
Last week, I was all over the place, and you know, we were having lots of fun, and you know there are different kinds of sermons, right? There are different kinds of sermons. This is what I did my dissertation in, is the different methods and styles of, of sermons. Today, what I wanna do today more than anything is I wanna invite you to just settle in where you are, get comfortable, put on your thinking cap, and turn on your heart. And I, I wanna give you the cliff notes, if you will, of the entirety of salvation history. I wanna talk to you about the king on a cross. And my goal as every Sunday is really, I'm not here to entertain you. My goal more than anything is for every single person, regardless of where you are, to leave a campus today or rise from wherever you're sitting and experiencing this online and to understand fully entirely, deeply in the core of who you are, what in the world was happening on that good Friday 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ, the King of all kings, died on a cross. And you know, it should not have surprised any of them back then, and if you read the Bible, it shouldn't surprise any of us Today, there were all kinds of shadows, if you will, foreshadowing the coming of Jesus and this king on a cross. Shadow, if you just look up the word in Wikipedia, here's the definition. It's an area where direct light from a light source cannot reach due to obstruction by an object. It's, it's a shadow. Shadows throw forward and they changed based upon the time of the day or the position of the sun. The Bible is full of shadows, full of events, full of symbols, prophecies that were declaring this very moment that we look closely at today. Bottom line, wherever you are and whoever you are, God longs to have a life-giving, sin-forgiving, eternally-setting relationship with every single person. If you go back to the very beginning, it started when God chose a man by the name of Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. <laughs> Abraham. God makes a promise to this old man, Abraham. Hey, yo, though you are old and your wife is old, you are going to have a kid, and through that kid will become a great nation. More descendants than all the stars in the sky. Genesis 12, 3. Come on, we're gonna look at a lot of scripture today. You guys like the word of the Lord? We're gonna look at some scripture today. And I want you to, every time I ask you to, I want you to just engage and lean in and read it out loud. I know you got masks on, and it's a little harder to read, but just read it out loud. Ready? Go, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through. It was a shadow. It was a shadow of something to come. That nation came from Abraham, became a nation of Israel. And you might have heard, they were quickly enslaved by a major world power of that day by the name of Egypt. 
And so God then anointed another man by the name of Moses. And God tells him, I'm coming down and I'm gonna bring them up. And God unleashes a series of plagues on Egypt to convince their evil king to let my people what? Let my people go. And then we start to see a series of offerings and Passover in the Old Testament. There were all kinds of sacrifices. There were burnt offerings. There were grain offerings. There were peace offerings. And we struggle with just one offering today, guys. They had so many offerings. And God would eventually require the blood of an innocent lamb to be sacrificed to cover the sins of all people. And so what they would do is they would find a lamb, a lamb without blemish, a perfect lamb, and they would sacrifice that lamb. And that lamb was the propitiation, if you will, the forgiveness, the covering of their sin. And it went on and on and on until you come across this thing in the Old Testament called the Passover. And God told the Israelites ahead of time, listen, if you'll take a lamb, kill it, and spread the blood over the doorway, the door frames of your home, the angel of death will what, church? Pass over you. And you will be set free. Now, what is the point of all of this at this point in time in the Old Testament? This is really important. It was clear that sin is a big deal. Sin is a big deal. These were all kinds of images and pictures and mere shadows, if you will, to show us, listen in, lean in, that we are incapable of doing anything permanent about our sin problem. We have fallen, as the old commercial used to say, and we can't get up. We, we tend to wink at sin today. But sin is a very significant issue to God. And there was this shedding of blood of this spotless, innocent lamb, this lamb of God, this shadowing that would come many, many years later. And again, this should not have surprised them because the prophets kept predicting this. Isaiah 7 14, man, you read it so well last time. All of the campuses, even those of you who are online by yourself, read it out really loud. Ready? Go. All right, then. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means what, church? God is with us. Isaiah 9, 2 from the Living Translation, the New Living Translation. Ready, go. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. There was darkness. There was, there was something obstructing the light. That something was your sin and my sin. But something was coming. It, it had been prophesied. It was foreshadowed. Look at Isaiah 25, 8 of the New Living. Ready? Go. 
He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. All shadows of what was to come. Then you get over there to Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 starts to tell us all about what would happen on that blood-stained cross, which would come many years later. Guys, this was the Old Testament. There was not a crucifixion going on in the Old Testament. And yet the word of the Lord said this, Psalm 22, 1. My God! My God! Why have you forsaken me? The psalm talks in detail about what would go down with Jesus on the cross. Look at Psalm 22, seven and eight. Ready, church? Here we go. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Psalm 22, 14 and 16 from my favorite translation, the NIV. Ready? Go. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Do you see it? Shadows of what was to come. And check this out. This is exactly what went down. This is how it happened thousands of years later. In fact, over 300 detailed prophecies or shadows, if you will, and Jesus fulfilled them all. You think you didn't have much of a chance at picking out a March Madness NCAA bracket? Check this out. For one person to fulfill just eight of those prophecies comes in at one in 10 to the 57th power. And yet Jesus fulfilled all 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. Overwhelming evidence that he is who the Bible says he is, and he will do what the Bible says he will do for everyone who will receive this gift on a cross. Time grew closer and Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You know the story, Christmas, right? He lives approximately 30 years. He starts his ministry at the 30th year and lives another three years to approximately the age of 33. He shows us the ways of God. As he, as he was living out his ministry, many people ask this question from time to time, who killed Jesus? And that's why I love what Jesus says, Luke 9, 51 in the Living Bible. As time grew near for his return to heaven, he, that is Jesus, moved steadily onward toward Jerusalem with an iron will. He fixed his gaze on the cross. 
basically letting us all know, listen, I lay down my life for you. He looked down the corridors of time and saw the shadow of your face and chose to move ahead with the plan. He chose to move steadily with an iron will onward towards a hill outside of Jerusalem, a place called Golgotha, Calvary, the place of the skull. Listen, this was not where you go take selfies over a picnic. This was a place of darkness. This was a place of death. This was a place of sorrow. And yet Jesus fixed his eyes and he went straight there for you. I really want that to settle in today. Again, I know this is not some woohoo kind of message where we just all, you know, celebrate and, and, and laugh and clap. No, no, no. I want us to stand at the base of a blood-stained cross with that image in our mind and grapple with what God has done there for you and for me. See, see the problem is if we just skip all of this, <laughs> and we bounce up to church on Easter Sunday like a bunch of bunnies, we, we don't ever really do business with sin. And the message of the Bible is that if we don't do business with sin, better put, if we don't let Jesus, right, do business with my sin, there's a good chance we can miss it all. Again, who killed Jesus? John 10, 18 out loud, ready church, go. No one can take my life from me. I lay down my life, what's that next word? Voluntarily, for I have the right to lay it down when I want to and also the power to take it again. For my Father has given me this command. Show of hands, how many of you saw the Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson. Can you believe how long that's been? I think it was around 2004, 2005. One of the most faithful depictions of the death of Jesus ever brought to the big screen. I mean, by far, nothing even comes close. Mel Gibson was emphatic as he as he produced that film, right, not to us. He was emphatic to not laugh, let his face come across the screen at any point in time. But there was one moment in the scene where he allowed part of his body to be in the movie. You know what it was? It was his hand on the spike and his other hand on the hammer where he brought down such force, such thrust. And Gibson was interviewed later and asked, why, why did you do that? He said, because I wanted to make it clear and I needed to do it in my own spirit. It was my sin, my sin that hung him there on the cross. 
my role, my part in the crucifixion of Jesus. And while he voluntarily fixed his eyes on the cross, make no mistake about it today, my sin, my sin nailed him there. And so did yours. You're like, oh, I I didn't have anything to do with it. I, I wasn't there. It was a once and for all sacrifice. Remember the lambs that I talked about earlier that they they would sacrifice a lamb without blemish? The Bible says in the fullness of time, Jesus Christ came to do it once and for all, for all sin. That includes your sin. And it includes all of my sin. And so he went into Jerusalem Most kings would enter into their city, particularly the holy city, on prancing stallions. Jesus, remember? Jesus humbles himself and enters on the back of a donkey. Talking about an upside-down reversal kind of kingdom. And in that moment, they're yelling, Hosanna! In the highest, which means, Lord, save us now. They had no idea what they were asking for. By weeks in, The very same folks who celebrated with palm branches and said, Hosanna in the highest said, crucify him. The Romans would would train a particular soldier to be a part of the scourging. It's called a lictor. You might remember it in the, the Passion of the Christ, though they didn't name it. Here's what the lictor does. The lictor was the one who stood back about six feet and they would take the, the, the person being crucified, the offender. Jesus was basically crucified for being an insurrectionist to Rome. And they would tie him to a stone column. I, th- I think we have a picture for you straight from the movie. And they tie him to a wood or a stone column. And the lictor would stand back with a whip. And in this whip would be bones and metal tied into this cord and the lictor would stand back about six feet. Here's one from about six feet away. And the reason he would stand back was so that he could step into it with full force. And every time he would strike him, flesh would be ripped off the bone. Historians from that day Particularly, I think of the one named Josephus, not necessarily Christian historians, but but Josephus would later tell that Jesus of Nazareth was beaten and whipped to a point of being unrecognizable. Beaten, bruised, broken, all prophesied, foreshadowed in Psalm 22, which we read earlier. What kind of king voluntarily submits to that? I'll tell you what kind of king. A king who would rather stand at the very gates of hell and suffer to save you. Again, sin had to be dealt with. God is holy. We are not. 
Holiness and sin don't merge. They don't mix well. So something had to be done. All the way back in the Old Testament, a price had to be paid. That was the lambs without blemish. In the fullness of time, God said, enough! I will take care of their sin once and for all. And he did it with you in mind. Let that settle in. We have a, we have a way of distancing ourselves from this. And, and some of this is just kind of gory and it's, it's graphic. And some of you are already kind of, you're distancing yourself. No, 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 no. Go to the cross with me today. God is sovereign. He's all-knowing. He had you in mind. Before he formed you in your mother's womb, he had you in mind. And when he fixed his eyes toward Jerusalem with that iron will, he had you in mind. And so it went. The king on a cross. All shadows pointed to this. Isaiah 53, four and six, just a few more. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that what? Weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. But, everybody say but. He was wounded and crushed. Thank you, brother. For what? For what, church? Our sins. He was beaten. That who? 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 We might have peace. He was whipped and we were healed. All of us have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the guilt and sins of us all. That sin, the guilt and the sins, it had to be dealt with. Ephesians 1, 7, the message translation. Now we're in the New Testament, right? Paul speaks to the church in Ephesus. He says this in the message translation. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. I love that phrase. Oh my Lord, I love what Eugene Peterson does there with the message translation. Pour it out on the altar of the cross. The Old Testament, you can read it, do a word study on altars. Anytime God showed up, they would build an altar. I talked about Abraham earlier. He would build an altar. And it's as if the New Testament is saying, in the fullness of time, God built one altar. It was a cross. His blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by our misdeeds, and not just barely free either. What's that next phrase? Abundantly free. Everybody say that with me. Abundantly free. One more time at all the campuses. Abundantly free. 
the awesome thing about all of this is that the king would three days later rise from the dead, defeating death once and for all. Now, we're not gonna bounce like bunnies to Easter. We're not going there. Hold tight. That's, that's a week from today. But on that day, on that cross, he would utter some of the most memorable words in Scripture. I thirst. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lama sabachthani, my God, why have you forsaken me? And on that cross, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the fact that there were three people there. Do, do you know this part of the Bible? You can read it later if you want, Luke 23. In Luke 23, we read that Jesus was on the cross, right? Here he is. And on this side, there was a thief. And on this side, there was a thief. And Jesus just said, Father, forgive them, plural. For they know not what they do. And this thief over here started ridiculing Jesus. Ha <laughs> you think you're something, save yourself. And this thief over here, this thief said, how dare you? How dare you ridicule this man on the cross dying for the sins of the world? So I wanna end today and ask you which one of those you will be today. Cold, distant, stiff-arming Jesus or one who would say, oh God, Hosanna in the highest. Save me. Have you ever really stood at the cross in your mind's eye and grappled with your sin and grappled with his holiness and this redeeming love that caused the king of the world to shed his blood and die for your sin that you might have eternal life forever. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ. In Christ, in what he did for you and he did for me on a cross 2,000 years ago. And I wanna give you a chance today to give your life back to him. I wanna give you a chance today to, to stare into a blood-stained cross and envision the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God. 
and to stare into a love so divine, a redeeming love that has the power to forgive your sins forever and declare that you are born again. You are a saved child of the most high God and you will spend eternity in heaven because the same Christ who defeated death will live in you and when you die and I die, if we are in Christ, we do not die. But just like the thief, Jesus said to the one thief, today you will be with me in paradise forever. It's why we call it the gospel. It's the good news of God. And it all went down with a king on a cross. Will you pray with me, all heads bowed, eyes closed? I'm gonna intentionally just allow a few moments of silence. There's so much for you and I to ponder upon right here, right now. Picture the scene in your mind's eye. Picture his blood pouring down as the old hymn used to sing, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Picture a love unimaginable in his eyes for you. Now deal with your sin. Allow your shortcomings, things that you've struggled with over the years to come before your mind's eye. And as you do, you will actually come to terms with the fact that you can't deal with your own sin. That's the point. You needed a mediator. You needed a high priest that could reconcile you back to God. There was a sin debt that I could not pay. So God paid it for me. He spread wide his arms and said, I love you this much. I will do what you can't do. And therefore there's only one thing that you can do. Humble yourself and receive the greatest gift that has ever been given. And if you desire to have 
that Christ on a cross, that King, to pay your sin debt, to allow his blood from the sinless lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. If you wanna receive that gift, just lift up your hand right where you are. Just raise up your hand. I just wanna, I wanna pray for you. Raise it up. Yeah, raise it up high. I see you. Four folks over here. Raise it up, lift it up. I see you. Praise God for you. I see you over here. At the campuses, just lift your hands up. This is between you and God. I see you folks down here. Praise God, down front, yeah. I see you, yeah. For those of you with hands lifted up at any of our campuses, or maybe you're at home on a couch, or you're in a car, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood and forgiving my sins. Let him know, Lord, I need you to be my savior. I have fallen, oh God, I am broken, I am sinful, and I receive your gift of salvation. Come into my heart. Just ask him right where you are. Say, come into my heart today. Take over my entire life. My heart, my mind, my body, my strength, my soul. Thank you for purchasing all of me on the cross. And then say this, I am yours. And you are mine. I will follow you all the days of my life until I see you face to face. I love you. Say, Lord, I love you. Some of you have never said that before. Say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, for those of you who raised your hand and said that prayer, our church loves to let you know in moments like this how we feel about you. Come on, church, let them know. Wow. Hey, if you just raised your hand and, and prayed that prayer, and I, or some of you might not have raised your hands, but you might have prayed that prayer. Listen, here's what you need to do. Very, very important. Get baptized a week from today or on Saturday. We'll have baptisms on Saturday here at the Durham campus. If you just got saved, you just prayed that prayer and it was sincere from your heart, I want you to text the word baptism or saved, not together, they have to be separate. Baptism or saved to 59769. Just pull out your phone and text that number. I would love to baptize you next week. And even if you don't get to do that, you can get baptized next week. Some of you are like, can I just show up and just dump, jump in the water? Absolutely, we would love to have you do that.